Open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And we began last Sunday night, and I said this would be a two-part message, talking about six reasons that the spiritual gifts, why spiritual gifts have not ceased. Six reasons why the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the manifestations of the Spirit that are, that are given by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, why they have not ceased. And uh, I just want to read a few verses to you tonight from 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 1. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now that right there is enough for us to pursue this topic tonight uh, because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, said that he does not want his church to be ignorant concerning the manifestation of the Spirit, which are the nine spiritual gifts that he will list here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to um, drop down to verse number 6. And he says, And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So those are the manifestations of the Spirit in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, known as, that we re- refer to as, the nine spiritual gifts. But one and the same Spirit, verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He, as God, as the Holy Spirit wills. And then the very last verse in that 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians says, But earnestly, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then in uh, the next chapter, 14, not the next chapter, two chapters over, chapter 14, Uh, Verse number 1, Paul said, Pursue love, which is so important because in chapter 13, he tells about um, the motivation behind the spiritual gifts, which is love. He said we can have all the gifts of the Spirit operating, but if we're we're not walking in love and operating in love, then we're just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. So then in uh, chapter 14, verse 1, he says, So pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So there he says for us to desire spiritual gifts. He says for us to uh, earnestly desire the best gifts. The King James Version says for us to, he says, to covet earnestly the best gifts. So we know from the Word of God that the Lord wants those gifts 
operating within the body of Christ and within the church today. And there are many, as we said last Sunday night, that would argue or uh, want to try to debate the fact that the spiritual gifts that are listed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are not for the church today. They are known as cessationists and they believe that believe and teach that these gifts of the Spirit were, um, uh, were, were, had ceased or had passed away with the death of the um, original apostles. John the, uh, John the Beloved being the last apostle, the last apostle to die and the only apostle to die of a natural death, wasn't martyred. But um, they teach that as soon as that last apostle died, since they say were the only ones who had the gifts and the only ones who could impart the gifts, that the gifts then ceased and they diminished from the church after the death of the apostles. Others teach that at the, at the time that we receive the canon, the full completed canon of Scripture or the Bible as we have it today completed, that the gifts were no longer needed then. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, basically their argument on the cessation of the spiritual gifts. But as I said last week, we here at Abundant Life Family Church, uh, we are a full gospel Pentecostal church and um, we believe in the f in, uh, that everything in the New Testament is for us today. Amen. Everything that was given, uh, that, and I preached it, as I said this morning, we preached about the, the, the cross and what Jesus did at Calvary and uh, that everything he died on that cross to provide for the church is ours today. If, it's, it's, if it was given to the church, if it was given to the first century New Testament church, we are still a part of that church. There's not, he doesn't have, Jesus doesn't have two different bodies. He doesn't have an early church and then a church today that's different from that church. The pattern for the church today, I believe, is the book of Acts and the epistles and what the Bible, what we have, the, the, um, the, the example that we have, the pattern that we have in the book of Acts and in the epistles for the church, uh, what the church was then, I believe is what the church needs to be now. That, listen, that New Testament, that early church, that young fledgling church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost turned the world upside down with the power of God and with these spiritual gifts. And if there ever was a time that the world needs to be turned, it needs to be turned, you know, they said it, they, the, 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 what they said about the, the apostles was they have turned the world upside down, but really the world's upside down and they were turning it back right side up. Amen. And if the world needs to be uh, turned right side up or upside down or whatever way, it needs a change today. Can I get an amen? It needs a change today. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ 
in the earth today is what has, has been placed here by God to, to have an impact on this world. And we'll never have the impact that we need to have. We'll never be able to change the world the way we need to change it unless we are a spirit-filled church, a powerful church, an anointed church, and a church that is flowing and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and in these spiritual gifts. Can I get an amen, somebody? So we need these gifts operating in the church today. So um, we're, we're talking about why they are still operative. And I probably, hopefully, am preaching to the choir tonight. And, and um, I'm looking at folks that I know you believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But we're giving you some reasons why they are still for the church. They have not ceased. They're still operative. They may be lying dormant. But they need to be renewed and stirred up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God. Rekindle that flame of God that is within you. Hallelujah. And sometimes those gifts can be, become dormant and we're not being, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow and to operate those gifts. Many, many full gospel Pentecostal churches today have even, have even said, we don't want the, the operation of those gifts on Sunday morning or we don't want that, uh, any messages in tongues or interpretations uh, in our Sunday morning church services because it frightens people or it scares people off. Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost's not going to run nobody off. The true operation and manifestation of the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit will bring people into the kingdom of God and bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. So we looked last Sunday night at three reasons uh, the first three reasons why the gifts have not ceased in that first message. And let me just tell you what those were. Reason number one, that the gifts have not ceased is that God gave spiritual gifts to the church to strengthen the church. To strengthen the church. He said that they were given for the profit of the church. He said they were given for the strengthening of the church. They were given for the edification and the building up of the church. So I think we would all, uh, could, could all agree tonight that the church in the first century, if those gifts were used to strengthen the early church, that the 21st century church needs strengthening, the 21st century church needs edifying, the 21st century church needs building up and that's the, the purpose of those gifts was given to strengthen the church so we need them today. Number two, number two, reason number two was that God commands us, we read it again tonight, God commands us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Not just, not just desire the gifts, not to be, not to be, and definitely not to be passive concerning the gifts. You know, we can take it or leave it, but to earnestly desire those gifts. That's my prayer, that God would stir us up as a church to earnestly desire and pray for the operation, the manifestation of these gifts of the Spirit here at Abundant Life Family Church as the Spirit of God wills. And that's what he said. Gifts are not given that you can just turn them off and on. They don't have, the spiritual gifts don't have a little toggle switch. Now you can just flip it on and say, okay, well, I'm going to give a message in tongues today or I'm going to do an interpretation or I'm going to give a prophecy. 
They're as the Spirit wills, as the Holy Ghost moves, as the Holy Spirit moves. So he said for us to eagerly, earnestly desire those gifts. Amen. Now, there are folks here in this church that the Holy Spirit uses you in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, most of the gifts that we see in operation today are the vocal, or those three vocal gifts. And uh, the Holy Spirit uses you in those gifts. If he, if he does, continue to pray and desire God to use you. If he doesn't, um, you, know, pray if, you know, pray that God would use you in some way, in some gift. If you, you know, and it's by your faith. I know it's hard to step out and face somebody that's never given a message or an interpretation or anything like that in a public service. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a difficult thing to want to get started. And I'm not going to tell you, I've told you before, my first experience with God using me in the gift of interpretation. I was just about, I was about 18 years old and, and uh, man, it was, I, I, I didn't want to step out. But once I yielded to that, um, the Holy Spirit just moved in a mighty way. But nevertheless, whether you're used in the gifts or not, be praying and desiring and seeking the Lord for those gifts to operate here in Abundant Life Family Church. My prayer for this church is that every saint, every believer in this church be filled with the Holy Spirit, flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, operating in it, and, and that it be done orderly, that it be done, as the Bible says, decent and in order. So he says for us to eagerly, he eagerly desired those spiritual gifts. And number three, the third reason was God commands us in the Word of God not to forbid speaking in tongues. I read it to you. Paul said, forbid not to speak in tongues. Tongues is one of the spiritual gifts. So the, the command and the admonition is not to forbid that. Now let me give you reason number four. Let's move on, all right? Reason number four is this. And it goes, it kind of dovetails into what we talked about at the end of last week on reason number three that God commands us not to forbid speaking in tongues. Number four is that the Apostle Paul valued the gift of tongues. He put a value on that gift of different kinds of tongues. Now I mentioned this to you last uh, Sunday night that that diverse kinds of tongues in the New Testament are languages. They're not, it's not gibberish, it's not jibber-jabber. And I've heard preachers, I cringe when, when preachers say that, that it's just a, a bunch of gibberish because they are languages. They're languages and tongues of men or of angels, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13 and, and verse 1. But they are languages supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit. It's a language that is given for an individual to speak that they have not studied or learned, you don't know it, it's given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, are you there? Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 14 and 5, he said this, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Let me read that again. He's writing to the church and he said, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. 
1 Corinthians dropped down then in 14 to the 18th verse. He said this, Paul said this, I thank my God, I, what? Speak with tongues more than you all. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Do you realize what Paul is saying right here? Paul is saying here that he spent more time speaking in tongues than anyone in that church at Corinth. And I'm telling you, that was saying something because that church was a tongue-talking church. Amen. They were a tongue-talking bunch. As a matter of fact, that's the reason Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, that 14th chapter, was to, was to, uh, was to bring them into a place where everything was in order because they were out of order with speaking in tongues. Everybody wanted to speak in tongues out loud at the same time. Everybody wanted to operate their prayer language and pray pray and worship out loud at the same time, which that's fine if it's during a worship service, but, you know, during the time of the music and the singing and the worship where it's not disturbing anybody else, that's okay. But they were doing it to the point where it was interrupting the preaching. They couldn't, the, the ministry of the word wasn't going forth. And Paul had to bring some regulation in there when, it, when he dealt with tongues in the public assembly. But Paul here, when he said, I speak with tongues more than you all, he's talking about, he's talking about and referring to the devotion, his devotional prayer time. When he said, I speak with tongues more than y'all, he was talking about when he was in his prayer class. And he was worshiping the Lord and praying to the Lord because that is that is the use, the main use, the main use of tongues, of diverse kinds of tongues, the, the, is the prayer language that God gives you to communicate with the Heavenly Father in your personal prayer time and worship. I said this last week, it's a direct line to God. No man understands understands you and and but God does amen I said God does it allows you to pray mysteries it allows you to pray things that you uh, pray about things that you would not know with your natural mind because you're praying with your spirit by the Holy Spirit and it's a devotional gift given for your building up your edifying and your, your, your personal prayer time. So when Paul said, I speak with tongues more than y'all, he wasn't talking about it in the church. He was talking about it in his prayer time because then he said, yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Amen. Do you, are you following me? So he qualified. Paul qualified what he was saying in verse number 19 when he said, Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also. If I'm up here right now doing this message in, in tongues, nobody's going to get nothing out. You don't know what I'm saying. That would be silly. It would be fruitless. Amen? 
But he said, but, but see how people have latched on to this verse. Well, the Bible says you better speak five, better to speak five words in, in you know, five words uh, in your understanding than 10,000 unknown tongues. He's talking about in the church when it comes to teaching people the word of God. He's not talking about your prayer time. He's not demeaning tongues here at all. There's two uses for tongues. There's the devotional gift of prayer as a prayer language that will edify and build you up. But then there's the spiritual gift of tongues that's used uh, in public utterances, messages that are given in tongues. And that, those messages and utterances in tongues must always be followed by an interpretation. Always. Amen? Hallelujah. I know we have folks, Denise, usually every time Denise gives a message in tongues, she follows up with the interpretation. Sister Vicki does sometimes. Um, Brother uh, Steve Settles, same way. Um, But at other times, a message can be given by one person and then someone else has the gift of interpretation, gives the interpretation. But if there's no interpreter... And if there's no interpretation, Paul said, keep silent then. Don't just keep speaking out in tongues. If there's no interpretation, move on. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are y'all, is this all right? You with me? Okay. So Paul found, though, he was teaching and found that, that praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost... Praying in the Spirit was immensely valuable to the believer and it was valuable in cultivating his spiritual life and his intimacy with God. He said, he said this, he verified this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Look at that. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He said, he who speaks in a tongue, and he's talking about prayer here. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And I said last week, a message in tongues plus the interpretation is equal to prophecy because prophecy is given to the church to build up and edify the church. But prayer in the Spirit, praying in tongues, is, is, is used by the Holy Spirit to edify the individual who is praying. Edify means to build up, to build a house, to erect a building, to build an edifice. It means to restore something by building it up. Edify means to promote growth and grace and Christian virtues. It means to strengthen and to make more able. Well, wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't you think that's that's something good? Do you think and feel that your spiritual life needs to be built up and strengthened? Amen. Your, do you need to grow spiritually? Is that something that 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 we're all um, desiring today to grow spiritually? Well, prayer will help build you up spiritually and promote spiritual growth. And praying in the Spirit, in tongues, in your personal prayer time, will do that. Jude said this in Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 20. He said, but you beloved, be
building yourselves up on your most holy faith. There it is again. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, what an awesome gift that this is. That God has given to the believer. That he's given to each one of us. That we have a, a, a hotline to heaven. We have a personal uh, uh, prayer language to communicate with the heavenly Father. Hallelujah. And enhance our worship with the Lord and edify and build us up and cause us to grow spiritually. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is praying in other tongues because he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15, Paul said, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. Then he said, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, or in other tongues, and I will also pray with the understanding. So pray both ways. He said, I'll pray in tongues, and I'll pray with the understanding. I'll pray both ways. And I do that every day of my life. Praise God. I tell you, it's edifying to pray in the Holy Ghost. I pray everything I know to pray with my understanding. And uh, then the things that I don't know, I let the Holy Spirit just pray through me to pray for those things. He said in, in Romans 8, 26, he said, For we know not. This is a weakness we have. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Spirit knows the mind of the Father and prays and makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So anytime you're praying in this prayer language and the Holy Spirit is praying through you, you're always, you can know this for a fact, you're always praying in line with the perfect will of God every single time. That's invaluable today, amen, to be able to have that type of gift. So Paul is not giving us his opinion, but he's giving us God's opinion on speaking with tongues. So he puts a great value on speaking in tongues. He he. he we have to conclude then, if he puts such a great value on speaking in tongues, then he's not going to give us something that's so profitable and then say, well, that's just for a certain group of believers. We're going to take that away now. Amen. Go ahead and preach, Brother Hensley. You're doing good. <laughs> Amen. Reason number five. Reason number five. Spiritual gifts are necessary for the health of Christ's body. They're necessary for the health of Christ's body. I won't take time to read this, but you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. And in, that, in those verses, Paul compares the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in the church to the physical body. He compares the church to a body. And uh, he makes the point that all of the gifts are necessary in that body for the health of that church and the health of that body, just as all the different parts of the body are necessary for a healthy body. You want all your bodily parts working right and functioning the way they're supposed to be. Isn't that right? 
Amen? And so that's the analogy Paul makes with the, with the human body and comparing the church to the body. Look what he says in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 12. He said, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Verse 21, he says, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I, don't, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So Paul concluded by saying in verse 26, look at verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So what's he saying here? He's saying that a body where all the members are not functioning in the capacity God has placed them in that body, that body is incomplete. The whole body is not just an eye. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that, you know, a cyclops church. <laughs> the, the whole body's not just one big eye. He said if it was just one big eye, where's the smelling? Amen. He said if, it, if it's, if it's uh, it, where's the hearing? If it's, if it's all just one big ear and hear, where's the smelling? There has to be every, every member and faculty of the church operating in the way God intended for it to, for there to be a healthy church and a healthy body. We want a healthy church and a healthy body, don't we? Praise God. Yes, we do. So we need these gifts to operate to edify the body of Christ and they're necessary for the health of the body. Paul uses the body metaphor to argue that all the spiritual gifts are necessary for the body to remain healthy. They're all the parts of the body are necessary. We cannot say, uh, just like he said there, he said uh, uh, the, the, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't get rid of that hand. I don't need that hand. I'll handle everything. We don't need the hand. You need it all. So that's like, that would be like us saying today, we don't need this gift or that gift of the Holy Spirit operating. We don't need them. We do need them. We need every member of that body functioning in unity to bring edification to the body. I'm going to tell you, I, I think you'd all agree, we definitely need, we definitely need the discerning of spirits in the day we're living in. We definitely need words of knowledge and words of wisdom. He's not talking about just knowledge per se or all knowledge or all wisdom. It's a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom given by the Holy Spirit for a particular situation in your life. Discerning of spirits is being able by the Holy Spirit to discern what spirits operating in, 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 in an individual or in a church service or in a particular person's life. And we need those gifts today. How many would agree? We need, we desperately need the gifts of healings today within the church. We need the healing power of God operating in the church today. Those apostles, listen, those apostles did not possess those gifts and heal at will. I've heard the stupid, here I go, 
uh, you know, but, but stupid remarks made by people that are ignorant of the things of the Spirit say, well, if, if, you, if you're a healer, go into the hospital and just clean the hospital out. He, you heard people make stupid remarks like that? Amen. Jesus didn't even do that. Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and there were sick and infirm people everywhere and he healed one man. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And there's more to These apostles did not possess these gifts as their own that they could just go heal people at will. It was as the Spirit willed and the Holy Spirit used them. We need those gifts in operation in the church today. God's church needs healing. God's people need healing. We need those gifts today. Hallelujah, we need those gifts today. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, you can be healed by the prayer of faith and standing on the word of God, yes. But oh, when that gift of faith and healing and miracles is in operation, Brother Wade, praise God, that power is manifested and the healing just, boom, comes like that. We need that today. We need to desire that. We need to be praying for that. If nothing else, I want to get you all praying. God manifests those gifts. That early church prayed in Acts chapter 4 in that prayer meeting. You know, they, they prayed. That, here's what they said. Lord, that you would stretch forth your hand to heal so that signs and wonders and miracles would be done by your holy child, Jesus. God answered that prayer. Woo, hallelujah. God answered that prayer. And signs and wonders and healings and miracles were performed. We need the body operating and, 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 and as a whole today. Number six, last one. Spiritual gifts. The reason they have not ceased. Number six, spiritual gifts will not cease until Jesus returns. Are gifts going to cease? Yeah. When? At the rapture. Verse, look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 7. 1 Corinthians 1 and 7. He says, so that you came short. He's talking to the Corinthian church and he told them, he said, you came short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus is the rapture of the church. In this verse... Paul connects spiritual gifts to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that the church will find these gifts valuable and necessary until Jesus returns for his church. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12. Paul says this, love never fails. Now here, here's, here's the verses that a lot of, of people use to say that the gifts have passed away. Now listen, listen to what he says. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. And they stop right there and say, tongues have ceased. They've not. They will, but when? 
This is what he says. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So if tongues have ceased, based on this scripture, then so has knowledge. And we're all a bunch of dummies. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But Daniel said, Daniel said in the book of Daniel, Brother Wade, Daniel said that in the latter days, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. So is knowledge passed away? It's in the same verse with tongues. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Here it is, verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. That which is in part, the tongues, the prophecy, the interpretation, the word of knowledge, all of those gifts. He said, when the perfect comes, then that which is done, then tongues will cease, then prophecies will fail, then the gifts of the Spirit will not operate. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, 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 what's then? Then is that, that when the perfect has come, then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. What's he talking about? When's the perfect age? Are we, let me ask you a question. Are we in the perfect age now? I don't hardly think so. I know there's some that think we're in the millennium now, aren't there, Brother Mark? There's some that believe that we're in the millennium now. My Lord, help us, Jesus, if this is the millennium. Paul plainly states here that the gifts of the Spirit will not be taken away until that which is perfect has come. And that which is perfect is the perfect age that's going to be when Jesus comes back for His church. We're not in that yet. Paul admits that there will be a time these prophecies, tongues, knowledge will cease. There will be a time when all the spiritual gifts will cease. But that will be at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three phrases in this verse lead to this conclusion. Paul says that spiritual gifts will pass away, number one, when perfection comes. Number two, when we see face to face. And number three, when I know as I am known. None of those are relevant to me or you today in this present age. Hallelujah. The perfection of the church. Listen. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are to bring the church, have been given to bring the church into full, complete maturity. And when they have served their purpose, then they will no longer be necessary. But we're not in full, complete maturity tonight. If we were a complete, full, mature, totally perfect church would be full of people on Sunday night. Praise the Lord forever. That maturity, and I'm closing, but that maturity and that, that, that perfection will not be reached until we see Jesus. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he talks, John talks about that, and he says, 
he says that when he shall appear, then we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's when he's, that's the face to face. When we see him as he is. And let me tell you, at the rapture, when we're in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, then we will know as we are known. People say, have you ever had people say, do you think we'll know one another in heaven? Well, what kind of place would it be if you didn't know anybody? Amen. If I run into you at Walmart or if I run into you, you know, uh, over to Homestead or somewhere, I'll know you. I'll know who you are. I don't have to say, who are you? Well, some people I do. I hadn't seen in a while. I have to ask Vicky. I said, <laughs> so, somebody will walk up to me and just talk, and I'll talk to them, and then I'll ask Vicky, who was that? I don't remember them. Amen. It's been a long time. Well, that shows that we're not in the perfect age yet because when we're in the perfect age, we will know as we are known. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean that we'll be omniscient like God. We won't have the attributes of God, but we won't have any more need for these spiritual gifts. Won't need the gifts of healing then because there won't be no sickness. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Won't, won't need prophecy then because hallelujah Jesus be there to let us know everything we need to know won't need tongues because everybody will talk the same language glory be to God forever we won't need the prayer language to pray and edify us because you ain't going to be any more edified than you are when the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise and you're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye Woo! hallelujah I think I got my wind back, ladies. Praise God. I was about out of wind this morning. Praise God. But those gifts will be in the church until the trump sounds, until the perfect age comes, until the rapture, until the return of Jesus Christ. Then I shall know just also as I am known. Worship team, come on back. And let's sing something tonight. And worship the Lord a little bit. Praise God. See, listen. We desperately, and I hope I've, some way or another, my purpose in these two messages was number one, yes, to let, to remind us all that those spiritual gifts are still for the church today. But secondly, my purpose is to try to stir up your desire for those gifts and to see them in operation within the church. So when you pray, pray and ask the Lord, Father, let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation in our church at Abundant Life. Let the genuine flow and genuine move of the Holy Spirit be in operation in the church. I had a, a, a young man tell me a couple of weeks ago that he was impressed with this church and the order of the operation of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit.
And that made me feel good because I pray that all the time. Lord, I want the, the, the manifestation of the Spirit, but I want it genuine. I don't want nothing phony. don't want nothing fake. I don't want nothing, um, no, you know, nothing out of balance. I want it to be. And when you're dealing with human beings and individuals, uh, you know, you're not, we're not perfect yet. So, so there's going to be mistakes, but we have to correct those errors. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen? That's why he gave us 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. To bring those gifts into their perfect operation within the body of church. The proper, I guess I should say, operation within the body of Christ. Let's stand tonight. How many are going to believe with me for the operation of the Holy Spirit? The manifestation of those gifts to edify and build up the body of Christ. I want you to pray with me. When you pray, to pray, be asking God, let the gifts of healing and the working of miracles be manifested, God, because there's so many of God's people who need a healing, who need a miracle in their life. And Jesus died on that cross, took the stripes on His back, that we can receive His healing. He's still Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. We need those gifts. We need those gifts. Are you going to pray and believe with me? Father, we love you tonight. God, we praise you tonight for your goodness.